Amen. Well, it's so good to be here together with you. As Ryan said, by the way, great to have Ryan lead us. Many of you know Ryan and Rachel. I'll share with you the last time that uh, he was leading that they just got married, so newlyweds. And, and so we're excited to have them as part of our church family. But the, the band, the unseen, that, that really travels all over and, and just a, a great privilege for us to, uh, this weekend. Amen. To be able to have them here. And so we're really uh, just honored that they would take out of their schedule and be here with us. I want to encourage you. Uh, I know Pastor Chris uh, mentioned this maybe just a moment ago, but, but I want to encourage you just to, to, to tell them uh, that you're praying for them or that you appreciate them leading us in worship because uh, they're coming to serve us, but we want them to be surprised in that we serve them. Amen? And we want to be refreshing and encouraging to them because they're going to a lot of different places. And, and sometimes they may wonder, does anybody care? Did it make any difference? If you say, you know what, that was just the song I needed to hear, that can make all the difference in somebody's life. Amen? And I'm excited. In a couple of weeks, we are starting a new series on heaven. And I got to tell you, young people, I ain't that old, but I got to tell you, 46 doesn't sound good this year. I mean, I'm, I've been fighting it for a while, but 46, I mean, when I was younger, I thought 44 was the cutoff. For some reason, 44 to me sounded like still reasonably young, but 46 sounds bad. So I, I, I own it. I admit it. I'm a little bit closer to that direction, maybe. I mean, uh, but, but I don't care who you are. Heaven, when you start learning about heaven, it is going to be so awesome. First of all, to be there, to go there. But it's going to be so awesome over the next few weeks. If Jesus doesn't come back tonight, if we have the opportunity, we're going to be studying about heaven. If you've given your life to Jesus, this world is not your home. God has created a place for you to live for all of eternity. And I can't wait to get there. He's still got a purpose, apparently, for me so far. But uh, I'm looking forward to learning more about that together with you. It's going to be great over the next few. And if you haven't, Giving your life to the Lord. I hope that heaven's going to put you over the top. I hope you're going to say, I want to go there. And I want to know the Lord. And I want to give my life to Him. So I'm looking forward to that. But before we start that series, the weekend of January 20th and 21st, the Lord really put on my heart over, the, over this weekend and next weekend to share a two-part series with you to start the new year. And it's a series for you, for your life, to think about what is God up to in my life right now. And it's a series for our church family, for us to, to think about together. What is God doing? What is God up to? We finished the holidays. We finished out another year. We're, we're starting another year, 2018. It's a good time. It's a good time to look ahead. It's a good time to, to pause for just a moment. I know in some regards, it's just, you know, just like 40 was just another year. You know, I, I understand 39 to 40 is just another date on the calendar. But, but we recognize sometimes that there are markers, aren't there? There are places in our lives where we can stop for just a moment, even though it is just another day in some sense that it does give a natural opportunity for us to stop and say, hey, wait just a minute, let's think about some things together. And so I want to do that for you over the next couple of weeks. And I want us to do that together as a church family. And we're going to look at the story of a man named Abraham. And actually, he's referred to in the passage that we're going to look at as Abram. And so you may hear me say Abram. You may hear me say Abraham. And if you haven't ever really read God's Word much, maybe Pastor Robbie's confused tonight, okay? But, but I may go back and forth, but, but the guy, he ends up being called Abraham. But in the story we're going to read is in Genesis chapter 15. If you have a copy of God's Word, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And you can turn over to chapter 15. If you have a device, you're welcome to to look on your device and, and, and pull out your Bible app and follow along with us there. Now, what about Abraham? Some of us may know of Abraham. If you've been in church, if you've read the Bible a little bit, you may have heard about this man named Abraham. Some of you may have just heard of him. Maybe you've heard of him referred to. Maybe you were just, maybe since you've started coming to New Hope, because in the last series that we just finished up, we actually, we actually talked about this man named Abraham. You remember that story? We talked about Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. 
Remember we talked about, do you want a Middle East crisis? Okay, that was the passage in Genesis chapter 16. So listen, listen, you don't have to worry about that. But but I'm just trying to encourage you, if you come every weekend, start connecting some of these dots. Amen. What we're going to read about this weekend is just before the story that we studied together a few weeks ago about Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. And some of you have never heard of Abraham. And that's all right. Because we're going to read the story, we're going to talk about what God is doing in and through the life of a man named Abraham. Abraham, in case you don't know, is a very important figure in history. He's a, he's a very important figure in really what God is up to in this world. In the plan that God has been working out Through the centuries on planet Earth, this man that we're learning about was very important, is still very important. You can go all over the world today in different cultures and people still know about Abraham. It's incredible how God worked through this man. But you know, like many of us, Abraham doesn't seem to grow up in a strong, godly family. But nevertheless... God was working in his life. And God spoke to Abraham. God made some promises to Abraham. He made some very big promises. And in the midst of those promises, much like your life and much like my life, this ought to encourage us, in the midst of God speaking to him, there were a lot of ups and downs. There were a lot of things that happened. There were a lot of things that were going on in his life. Back in Ur, where he grew up, his hometown, The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 7, verse 2, that God spoke to this man named Abraham. And then the Bible tells us that if if we read the book of Genesis, just before what we're reading here together this weekend, the Bible tells us that uh, God, um, his brother dies while he was living in his hometown, and his family all picked up and moved to a town named Haran, which, by the way, interestingly enough, was the same name as his brother. His brother died and his family picks up and moves hundreds of miles away to a town by the same name as his brother. Then the Bible tells us his dad dies and God speaks to him again in that town, the town of Haran, and tells him once again to move. In Genesis chapter 12 is where that's found. Then things get hard. There's a famine and Abraham and his family have to move once again to Egypt for a little while. And then some things happen. He gets in trouble. He has to move back to this area that God had promised to him, the land of Canaan. And then some of his family gets in trouble and he has to help them. That's his nephew, Lot, for some of you that know the story. And that is where we pick up in Genesis chapter 15. Now, the reason I tell you all that, because that sounds a lot more like your life, doesn't it? God speaks to me, but it ain't, ain't over yet. Amen. There's still ups, there's still downs. My brother passes away. My dad passes away. We have medical issues. We have to move. We have to change jobs. We have children. Things happen, but God is still working. And that is where we pick up in Genesis chapter 15. God has made Abraham some pretty amazing promises about his plan for Abraham. But listen, so far... None of that seems to be working out, especially the part where God told Abraham that he was going to give Abraham and his wife a son. In fact, really what God said is, I'm going to make a great nation. There's going to be all kinds of peoples come from you and your wife, Abraham. And Abraham said, God, there's just a couple of problems. Number one, uh, myself and my wife, we're really kind of old. And secondly... We've never had any kids. So God, how's all this going to work out? And he's struggling with that. And he's wondering what God might be up to, even though he had just had a great victory. If you go back and read Genesis 14, God had given him a great victory in his life, but he still is struggling. And that's what we're going to pick up this weekend. And I want to talk with you about when God shows you the stars. In Genesis chapter 15, Verses 1 through 6. And first of all, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about struggling with your limitations. You know, as we turn the page on a new year, 
it's inevitable for all of us to think a little bit, for all of us to evaluate a little bit. And many people make what? We make New Year's what? New Year's resolutions. I mean, how many of you have been to the gym already, okay? How many, how many of you made commitments? How many of you made promises? Maybe even to God or to other people or to yourself. There's things in our lives that we would like to change. And this is, this is a good time to think about that. This is a good marker to notice some of those things and maybe make some of those changes or maybe even better, maybe even more proper to say, to ask God to help us make those changes. Amen? God, there's some things in my life that, that I see that are, that are, that, that I desire to change because they're not your will for my life. So God, help me with those things. As we read about Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, there were some things, there were some big things in Abraham's life that he wanted to change and that was especially regarding that matter of his son. Let's look at the story in Genesis 15 verses 1 through 4. It says, after these things, now again, I just told you, if you go back and read it, in Genesis 14, Abraham had just had the, his, one of his family members had gotten captured by some people, and, and Abraham had went and rescued uh, uh, that family member, it was his nephew, Lot, if you know the story, and so God had given him this, this great victory. It says, after that, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying... Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, Oh Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? You see it? Already see it? What is he struggling with? He just had a victory. God says, Don't be afraid. Why would Abram be afraid? God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Now, if you were with us in that last series, we shared that it was appropriate in that society that they at least culturally saw it as appropriate that someone uh, who was in your household, if you did not have children or offspring, that you might take someone that was working for you, we might say, one of your servants, and you might let them be the person that you handed down the inheritance to. And Abraham's just struggling here and he's saying, God, you said I was going to have this offspring. You said I was going to have this wonderful inheritance to pass down that you were going to do all these things through me. Okay, God, we haven't had kids. So is it Eleazar? Is it my servant that you're wanting to do this through? Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body. You can't make it any more clear than that, can you? It's not your servant. It's not somebody working for you. Abraham, this is going to be, in case you weren't clear before, this is going to be one of your biological children. This man will not be your heir, but the one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. As I said, Abraham had just come out of this great victory. But apparently God finds him struggling. And we know that because the Lord says to him, do not fear, Abraham. Do not be afraid. What does that tell us? Abraham was struggling, wasn't he? Abraham was afraid of some things. Now listen, he had just been in this battle. He was a very courageous man. It wasn't that he was afraid of that. And then God says to him, I am your shield. God says, Abraham... I know you have some hard things that you are facing. Isn't that what a shield does? You have some hard things that you're facing. But Abraham, I will protect you. Abraham's struggling like we do. God, I, 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 you told me some promises. You've reiterated those promises. But I don't seem to see those promises being fulfilled. God, are you sure? God, I'm struggling. And Abraham says, and the Lord says to Abraham, Abraham, your reward shall be very great. Abraham was wondering, God, you made me those promises. You told me some amazing things were going to happen. And God was reaffirming, yes, those promises are still true. And I am going to work mightily through your life. And then Abraham expresses 
some of what was happening in his heart. Lord, you told me if that was going to happen, that you were going to work through me in a great way. But, but my wife and I, we're, we're super old. It's been a while. God, are you sure? And then the Lord, as I said, made it very clear. Abraham, you are going to have a child. You will have a son. And then the Lord does something very interesting in verse 5. I want you to look at that. It says in Genesis 15, verse 5, After the Lord said, Then behold, the word of the Lord said to him, came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? I never noticed that until a couple of years ago when I was reading this passage. The Bible says that God was speaking to Abraham and he took him outside. If you read the book of Genesis, you see over and over again that these great people of faith, that, that, that they lived in something called what? Tents. Over and over. It's interesting. I love how the Bible gives us that kind of color. Amen. How it gives us that kind of detail over and over again. It reminds us these were people who were dwellers in tents. And over and over again, it says it about Abraham. Abraham lived in a what? A tent. And so as you read the story, the Bible says that God took him outside. What does that tell us? That God was speaking to him in that tent. I want you to think about that for just a moment. What did that tent represent for Abraham? In many ways, that tent represented safety, didn't it? In many ways, that tent represented with, that, with those four walls, that, that tent represented security. It, it represented predictable in Abraham's life. But it also represented smallness. It also represented a limited viewpoint. And there were things that Abraham would never see apparently until he did what? Until he... Isn't that interesting? It actually says... It actually doesn't even say that God called him outside. It actually... If you look at this, it says he took him outside. Now, I don't want to be too... I don't know. I'm just thinking. Took him outside? What does that mean? I almost picture God saying, Abraham. Like grabbing his arm, Right? Taking him outside. That's how he said he told him to come outside. It says he took him outside. I don't want to make too much of that, but I'm just saying, I just think it's kind of interesting that Abraham was in his tent and God said, Abraham, I want you to come out here. Isn't it true that there are things that we will never see in our lives until we step out of those limitations? Amen. Until we step out of that comfort zone. Until we step out of that tent. It's hard to dream, isn't it? Sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to dream because you're just trying to make ends meet. It's hard to dream because you're changing diapers. It's hard to dream because the car just lost its transmission. Because you're running a business. Because you're fixing your furnace. Because you're studying for exams. All those things can be our what? Our tent. That's the world that we live in. That's that's what we know. But even though that's predictable, even though that's safe, even though that may even be comfortable, even with problems, it can be small and limited. Maybe it's your, your family background. There are some of us in this room that do not believe that God can work through us because I don't come from people like that. My dad was not a pastor. Or my mom was not a believer. Or uh, my parents divorced when I was younger. Or whatever it might be. Many of us struggle with that. Maybe mistakes that we've made. I'm not the kind of person that God can use because you don't know what I've done. Maybe like Abraham. Maybe you've been waiting for a long time. And that becomes, that becomes kind of your world, doesn't it? Abraham was saying, God, you told me back in my hometown, you told me you were going to do this. You reiterated it to me in Haran. Are you sure, God? Are you sure you're going to do this? For some of us, that limitation might be a lack of ability or at least your perceived lack of ability. I, I don't have anything special that I can offer God. 
I was just thinking this week about a message that I heard from Dr. Adrian Rogers when I was in seminary. He talked about the woman who did what she could. And I remember Adrian Rogers in a way that only he could just keep hammering it. She didn't do what she couldn't do. She did what she could do. That's what we should do, right? We should do what we can do. And some of you say, but there's nothing that I can see. Maybe it's a lack of resources. Don't we struggle with that? I would love to serve God, but right now I'm just trying to get food on the table. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's education. Maybe you feel like you haven't been given opportunities in life that that other people have been given. Maybe it's what somebody else said about you. Maybe somebody told you you were a loser. Maybe somebody told you you'd never amount to anything. Those kind of things can be limitations that we struggle with. And by the way, can I just share something with you? They are all lies of the enemy. Because God is not restrained by those limitations. What about us as a church family? How do churches sometimes, many times, listen. How do churches many times struggle to trust God? And instead of trusting God and stepping out and seeing that bigger picture that God has, how many times do churches, do God's people, that ought to be an oxymoron. How many times do God's people focus more on our limitations than we do on what God wants to do? How many churches get comfortable and safe and try to stay with what they know? Many churches, their history. Well, we've never done that before. Their finances. What are you talking about? Do you know how much that costs? There is no way. I mean, that's a great idea. I appreciate the vision. I appreciate the, you know, the enthusiasm. But that just ain't going to happen. How many churches compare with other churches? Listen, that's a good idea. But, but to be honest with you, it's not very realistic. I've never seen a church do that before. Amen? But there was a reason that God called Abraham to step out of that tent. We just came out of a grave when we say Amen. Sure, if we can come out of a grave, we can come out of a tent. Amen? He called my name, and I came out of that tent. Amen? And the reason God wants to do that is because God wants you and me, friend, listen, to see the bigger picture and to understand that we have a part in it. Look at what the Lord says to Abraham in Genesis 15, the second part of verse 5. I love that. Don't you love if you read the Bible, you see things? Abraham was in his tent. God took him outside. and said, now look towards the heavens and count the stars if you are able to count them. I love that. That's kind of cool. And the Lord's like, come on, Abraham, count them if you can. I bet you can't. But just go ahead. Just go ahead and try to count them if you're able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Isn't that powerful? Can you imagine Abraham just sitting there? Just sitting in his tent. This is life. This is his reality. This is, this is my daily life. Isn't it so easy to do that? To get so focused just on our daily life, our daily existence, our jobs, what we do every day, the time that we get up in the morning, the routine that we go through. But God wanted to show Abram something bigger, something much bigger. The Lord said, Abram, look towards the heavens. Count the stars, Abraham, if you can. Even though you do not have a son, Right now, this very moment, that's how many descendants you're going to have. Have you ever had a moment like that? Have you ever had, I hope, honestly, to be honest with you, I hope right now is a moment like that for someone. God is catching you. you. You didn't even have time. You didn't have time to make New Year's resolution. I'm busy. That's nice for all you people. But I, I, it's just the same as it was last week. I'm working hard. I got a lot going on. And I pray that God is stopping you. By the way, God bless you for disciplining yourself at least enough to come to church and seek God. Amen? Doesn't God reward us? 
And in the midst of your busyness, in the midst of that overwhelming, in the midst of that, those limitations, God is speaking to you and He's just kind of pulling you out for just a moment and wanting to show you something a little bigger. I had a moment like that under an oak tree in North Carolina. And God spoke to me. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the gall? Can you imagine thinking... I didn't know anybody in New York. I had never been to New York. I had never been a, a senior lead pastor, whatever you want to call it, whatever I do. I had never been this before, okay? I've been in ministry, but I'd never done this before. That's three strikes as best I can tell, amen? That ain't good. That ain't good. And I'm sitting under an oak tree on a lunch break at my second or third part-time job. I can't remember how many I was working at that time. But with a young family just getting started, can you imagine the gall? of believing that God wanted to send me to New York to start a church. And not just a church, but God was speaking to my heart underneath that oak tree that He wanted to start a church that was going to have a visible and lasting impact on a region. And even the world, maybe? Amen? Maybe you were sitting on the beach. Boy, God can speak to you on the beach. Amen. It was funny. Right when I said that, a chill went through my arm. And I got like goosebumps. I don't know if it's because I was thinking of the beach or because I was thinking about how cold it is. Amen. I could be inspired on the beach right now. Amen. Maybe you're a young person and you went to camp this summer. And God just spoke to you, didn't he? Don't you love retreats? If you don't go on retreats, you're missing God speaking to you. Don't you love times away, like camp and things like that? Or a women's conference or a men's conference? Isn't there something about that? Being in a hotel room and everybody else goes off and and, and you're just there. And all of a sudden, God gets your attention. Amen? There's something that one of the speakers said. Or maybe you're driving on the way to Albany to your job. And God just speaks to your heart that I, I've, got a, I've got something I'm doing in this world. And I want you to be a part of it. Isn't that incredible? And can I share something with you? I don't believe, listen friends, could we be a church full of people that expect a big God to do great things? And listen, I'm not talking about we're going to have fireworks and bells and whistles and cotton candy every time you come on the weekend, okay? I'm not talking about we've got to keep this big ball of fun rolling. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that, that God can't be in the washing your dishes and the clothes and, and, and bathing the kids and going to work. God is in those moments too. I'm just saying that I believe, according to what God's Word says, He's a big God. And He can do more than I usually expect. Is that fair enough? I don't believe that these moments should be just every once in a while. I think at the most Christians think that. I think at the most Christians think, I can't wait to get back to camp. I can't wait to get back to that retreat. I can't wait to get back to that moment. And certainly those are special times. But why can't God speak to us about getting out of our tent and seeing His perspective and how we're supposed to be a part of it? Why can't that be more a daily part of our thoughts and our focus. Amen? I think about a young mom that I heard about who lost her husband. A a young mom who lost her young husband to an illness. And she's living every day. What an awesome, inspiring story. She could focus on her problem. She could focus on her limitations. But she believes with all of her heart that God is good that God is with her and that somehow he's got a plan in all this and she's just grabbing hold that these kids are going to know and love God and he has a special purpose for their life. Isn't that powerful? Now wait just a minute. That sounds good on TV. Amen? And we need to recognize that. That mom, is she's sharing that story, but today when the TV show's not on, it's hard. Amen? She's by herself without her husband taking care of those three kids, really doing the things that happen in life. But she's chosen 
based on the perspective that I heard from her in that program. And it wasn't just that that's what she was saying. Hey, this is kind of my bigger picture. She said, this is how I'm choosing to live daily. Yes, I'm going through some struggles. I've got some things that I've got to deal with. But she's peeking outside the tent and saying, but God is up to something bigger. I saw a story about one of the guys that got shot in Las Vegas. A young man. And he was paralyzed immediately. His girlfriend saved him. He saved her. He dove in front of her got shot. He got paralyzed and then she saved him. And he's choosing by faith with God's help to say, I'm going to walk again. There's a purpose in this. I'm not giving up. Now listen, rehab is hard. Physical rehab is hard. Amen? He's getting up. He's doing that every day. He's being excited. I imagine to see a twinge. But he's choosing to keep his focus on that bigger picture instead of the limitations. Daily, these kind of people live with their focus in that way. They don't focus on their problems. That is a major difference in life. Those are the people who make a difference. Those are the people who inspire us. People who focus on the bigger picture and not their problems are the ones who inspire us and who make the greatest difference in this world. And the reason they do, the reason they inspire us is because they remind us of God. God is like that. God does things like that. This world, listen, if we just really want to talk about it, this world is a mess. If we really wanted to, we could be scared to death tonight. Amen? If we really wanted to, we could get in a circle and just grind ourselves into a hole, right? It's bad out there. North Korea and all, you know, honestly, you know what I'm saying? Everything, you could just worry yourself to death. And maybe we should be concerned in some sense. But that is not our focus. God, in the midst of this messed up world, is doing something bigger. And He wants to work that in us too. And God is wanting us to get out of our tent, to look at those stars and to show us that there is something much bigger going on in our lives. What is that for your life? Do you know? Do you know what that is? Do you have a sense? You know, this is what I tell people a lot of times. I tell people, people I'm just talking to, kind of sharing my heart. You know what I say a lot of times? I say this to Shannon. I say, the Lord's speaking to me. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I know the Lord's speaking to me. Amen? Anybody else? I know God's speaking to me. Amen? He's stirring in my heart. He's trying to tell me, it's okay to be right there. It's okay not to, not to, to, to say, I don't know exactly. For years of my life, I didn't know exactly what God wanted me to do. I'm thankful that I'm walking in that place that God called me to. But listen, a young person, especially who's in college, I was getting my master's degree and I didn't know how all of that stuff that God was stirring around in my head, how it was going to play out. I'm grateful to see it now. Amen. You guys are wonderful people. And I'm glad to be a part of your lives. But there was a time in my life where God was just stirring. Amen. But do you sense that? Do you sense a stirring? God is speaking to me. There is, it's hard. We got to go to work tomorrow. It's hard. The kids still can be challenging. It's hard. We're working on our marriage. It's hard. I'm not sure where my job's going to be by the end of 2018. All of that's hard, but God's doing something. Amen. God is at work in this world. And He's speaking to me that I have a part in it. What about us as a church family? Would you dream with me for just a moment? I wonder what the stars are for us as a church family. I wonder what God might want to do through this church. I'll be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. That might make you nervous, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I mean, we're not making it up every day. We're praying, we're seeking the Lord, we're trying to be biblical, but I don't know exactly what the Lord wants us to do, but I do feel like periodically the Lord gives me a glimpse. Will we just be a nice church to be a part of? You know, that's enough for some people. I just want a nice church that I can be a part of. Are we going to go for it together? Amen. In our lifetime, 
I tell our pastors all the time, this is all an experiment. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know if this is going to be right. I, this is all an experiment. This is the first time I've ever done it. This time and one more will be the second time I've ever done it, right? This is the only time I've ever done this. To, I'm just living life, but let's go for it. Let's trust God that He can do something that none of us ever saw before or even imagined. So what do you mean, Pastor Robbie? I don't know exactly. But let me give you some ideas. What if God wants to make us a place where hundreds of people give their life to God and decide that they're going to do that too? That they're going to be serious. Listen, you know, don't we already have hundreds? Of people? No, I didn't say we'd be a church where 100 people, hundreds of people attend. I didn't say that. What if we could be a place where hundreds of people said, we're all in. We sang, you said it, so I got you. You said it just a minute ago. If you were singing that song, I raised my white flag. I'm all in, I give, I surrender. If we really mean that, watch out. I'm not kidding you. I have believed from the beginning. I don't know what God is up to exactly. But I have believed from the beginning that God started this church for a special purpose. And what if hundreds of people got on fire for God? What if hundreds of us decided we're going to start reading our Bible every day? What if, not not just reading, that's not enough, okay? That's not enough. What if hundreds of us said, I'm going to seek God with my whole heart? Which includes reading your Bible. What if hundreds of us were walking with God daily? What if hundreds of us were looking for opportunities throughout the day to be a blessing to others around us and hoping for the opportunity for the door to open that we could share what Christ could do for someone with that person throughout the day? What if hundreds of us were doing that? Wow. What would that do to this community? What could that do to a region? What kind of mark could we make on this world? Write down this little... What do you call it? An acrostic? What do you call it? When you got, when you got to letters that stand for something, what do you call it? Help me out. Is that acrostic? Okay. I should have studied better before I came to, to, to preach. <laughs> Write down RCL. What do you call those? Radically. There you go. Acronym, whatever. Yeah, it's not an acrostic. I knew, Walt. Thank you. It's an acronym. <laughs> whatever it's called. It stands for radically changed lives. What if there were hundreds of radically changed lives? What, the, what might that look like? Listen, listen. Amen. I don't know, okay? So don't hold me to this. Okay, I don't know. But what if God wants us to establish a counseling center at New Hope? Can I, can I just be honest with you? If I was going to start this church again... You know, you generally think of, okay, we're going to need a music pastor. You know, we're going to need a youth pastor and a children's pastor. We're going to, you know, all these things, associate pastor, all these things. Number one, if I was doing this again, we'd bring a team. I wouldn't have came by myself, me and Shannon. We'd have brought a team, okay? I'd have trusted the Lord for several to come with me. But one of those, I've never heard anybody else say this, but I think one of those might be a counseling or a care pastor. From the beginning. Because there are so many people who have gotten our lives so tangled. And we just need to learn, how would God unravel that? What if we started a counseling center? What if we had paid staff? Or, and what if we had hundreds of volunteers who were trained to be life coaches? People would be flocking to us, wouldn't they? Can you help me be a husband? Can you help me make better decisions? Can you help me find God's will for my life? That's big, but that sounds possible to me, amen? It's, it's in the realm of possibility. Abraham, that was a lot of stars that he could see them, amen? What if God wants us to have a social worker on our team? What if we could be a place that could help kids who needed homes find placement? I don't even know how all that works. But what if we could figure that out? Have you ever heard of a church doing that? I haven't. I don't care. I think we need a social worker. 
We need somebody who can help people find placement and can train people with life skills. What if we had a sports ministry that all the kids in this area thought was the coolest? What if hundreds of people were being touched because we play soccer, because we play flag football, because we play basketball? I know we need to be more than soccer, basketball, football. We will, amen? We are, amen? But that's a wonderful bridge. Do you know many people want to come and be a part of what God's doing? They just don't know how to get here. You know, sports is a great bridge. It's a good excuse to come check out that church. They've got a good program over there. They do a good job. They teach kids really well how to play sports. I want my child to learn there. And oh, by the way, they're pretty nice people too. And oh, by the way, they teach my kids to be more respectful. And oh, by the way, they're teaching my kids some things about God. And oh, by the way, I need to learn some of that. Wow. What if we establish a church planting program where young pastors and missionaries could come and and could intern with us and could come be a part of our church family and could grow and learn and get experience. And hopefully, if we're being a healthy church family, by the way, there's not a lot of healthy churches out there, unfortunately. And I'm not saying we are. God help us to be, amen? But if we are doing anything right, let's pass it on. Let's keep it going. Let's teach other people what we've learned. What if we were doing ministry in countries all over the world? Listen to this. Listen. God spoke to me this week. I thought I had a big vision. And actually, there's somebody in our church family that that helped me to see my vision wasn't big enough. I thought, you know, one day, I'd like to see the day where one day we had a team every month leaving New Hope, going somewhere else in the world to serve God. Somebody helped me to see the other day. We're not far from that now. That wasn't a very big vision. So the Lord spoke to me. A big vision would be every week. What if every week a team from this church was going somewhere else in this region or this state or this world? You say, Pastor Robert, I've never seen that before. I haven't either. It it, it sounds like something God could do. It doesn't sound like it's undoable, right? It sounds big. It sounds like something God could do, though. I don't know. I just want to look at the stars, amen? I've got one life to live. I don't want it stuck in that tent. Especially if God has a star for us. Because He is a big God. Friends, I believe that we should expect that God can do more than what we normally experience. And that's all I'm saying. Get out of the tent. Look around. Look at the stars. What if God wanted to give us that? What, that offspring? That influence? Not the New Hope. Y'all know, I say, I don't care anything about our name. I don't care anything about New Hope. I, just, I want Jesus to be famous. Amen? And however we can encourage that, however we can leverage or use our influence or our impact, whatever. We'll teach others and they can go do it. I don't care. I'm just saying, I believe that God has brought us together to do some of that. And that leads us to the last thing. Trusting God to do it. Genesis 15, verse 6. Look at what it says. You know what's amazing about this? See, it's almost easier for us because we're in a worship service. We're with other people saying amen and shaking their head. We're with other people that, that clapped and sang songs and are excited and are nice and smiling and are encouraging. Abraham was in a tent. And he walked out of the tent and looked at the sky. And God said, will you trust me? That always challenges me, by the way. Who's going to be watching my story later? Amen? Even if that never happens, that at least helps me. Did Abraham know his story was being written? I'm not sure that he did. He was just walking with God. Amen? And look at what he did. It says, then he believed in the Lord. He put his faith in what God said. He trusted in the Lord. And the Bible says... And he reckoned, he credited to him as righteousness. 
Now next weekend, we're going to dig into this a little bit more. Specifically, some of what trusting the Lord looks like. But today, I just want to focus on the fact that Abraham trusted God. God showed Abraham the stars, and Abraham believed God can do that. Now, if you're not careful, you could just read that quickly and kind of go over it. It's just another Bible verse. You could just kind of go over that. But I want you to know, this is a very, very significant verse in God's Word. Why? Because it was a decision that impacted Abraham's life. If you go to Genesis chapter 24, verse 1, it says this about Abraham. Now, Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. What an awesome verse. Wouldn't you want that to be able to be said about your life when you're older? God, I just blessed him in every way. Well, how do you think that started? Because Abraham believed God. He trusted that God could do it. And by the way, it wasn't just Abraham himself. Because of Abraham's faith, this world is different. Eternity is different. We got a Savior because Abraham trusted God. And down through the centuries, Jesus came. Wow! Amen? I got two simple questions to ask. Will you trust God to give you the stars? Or are you going to stay in your tent? Is where you're living right now, is that enough for you? For some people, honestly, yes. I'm fine. I got four walls. I got a, I got a floor. I got a seat. I'm fine. This is, this is, this is all anybody would want. Just, just secure, safe, comfortable, reasonably for a couple of days. And then I want to pop up. But anyway, that's what some people will say. Is that okay with you? Or are you going to trust God for the stars? Will we as a church family stay in our tent? Is this, is this okay with us? This is pretty good, right? This is pretty good. I like our church, amen? This is pretty good. We worship the Lord. We, we enjoy His presence. We see Him working. God's doing some cool things. That's when it's over for churches. That's when you go ahead and you ought to just hear the nail being put in the coffin. When we think, this is pretty good. This is enough for us. Because there's an extra piece of this. This ain't mine. Amen? It's not yours. Jesus gave His life for this. This group of people. This effort. Jesus, He paid for this. It's His. I don't have the right to say this is enough. Amen? But people do. Churches do. I want to be honest and direct if I can with you. Some of us know that God is calling us to trust Him for more. But we're not stepping out. We've been hanging back. We've been depending on other people. Friends, listen. When are you going to own it? Well, what if it depended on you? And see, the thing is, we think, oh, it looks good, it feels good, it's enough. That's your estimation. You don't know what God wants to do. Maybe your lack of faith in stepping out and trusting God is limiting so much more that God has for us. I don't have the right to say that. But God gives us that ability. And my question has always been this. If not me, who? And if not now, when? I remember as a young man looking around in church and thinking, none of us think we can do it. None of us feel qualified. None of us feel worthy. None of us feel like we can, whatever. So who's going to do it? Who's going to serve God? There's going to have to be some people who say, you're right, I can't do it. You're right, I'm not very good. I'm not very experienced. I don't have much. Whatever. Let's stand here and give our reasons. And after all that's over, but... I'm going to trust God anyway. Isn't that what Abraham did? There is no way, God. There, this is me. There is no way this is me. I don't see that. 
but he trusted God. Friends, this is not a fairy tale. This is not a cartoon. This is not a pump me up, um, a cheerleading message. This really happened. God did that because Abraham said, God, I will trust you. And I believe the Lord is saying that to you too. You got to live life anyway. Why not go for it? Amen? You got to live life anyway. It's going to be hard anyway. Man, life is hard. Do you have a minute for me to share? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I could though, right? It's hard. It stinks. I don't like it. I quit. I want to go to heaven. Amen? But I'm still here. May as well serve the Lord. May as well walk with God. May as well trust. If we got to be in enemy territory, and that's not the world, I'm talking, about the, I'm talking about the devil. If we got to be in enemy territory, then we may as well just serve the Lord and see what God could do. That's what He's left us here for. That's the reason you're here in this mess if you've given your life to the Lord. If you've not given your life to the Lord, you're the reason that God has not wrapped this thing up yet because He loves you, friend. And He wants you to have the stars. He wants you to experience that life. But it only comes when we trust Him. We do that tonight? Amen? No, don't do that. Don't do that. Thank you. I don't mean to, I don't mean to pack you when you went up for a layup. Okay. I, you said, I asked you for amen, you gave me amen. So I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, but I want to challenge us. Did we just come to church tonight? Or are we going to believe God? Is my life going to be different when I walk out those doors in just a moment? Something happened and I will never be the same. I don't think Abraham was ever the same after that. Let's spend a little bit of time with the Lord for just a moment. Bow your heads with me, please. Dear Lord, I have no right to speak for you, to talk about you, to represent you. I'm a sinner deserving the judgment of God. And daily I blow it. But I thank you that by your grace, you offered to me an incredible gift of forgiveness and cleansing and salvation and a relationship with you. And even beyond that, you've given me the opportunity to talk about you and to serve you in the lives of others. And so that's what I'm trying to do right now is just be your voice. That you are that big God. It's not Pastor Robbie has a big vision of God. You are that big God. And you are speaking to your people. And I pray that you would bless them. And I pray, Lord, that you would help them to trust you like Abraham. Help us to trust you. God, our families, our kids, our jobs, they need us to trust you first so that this world can change. And God, this church, Lord, we didn't sign up just to to do church. Lord, we want to make a difference for you. And I believe you're stirring us. I pray that you would show us what that is and help us to trust you for it. Father, tonight, if there's somebody here that doesn't know about all this big stuff and serving God and church, but they know that they need you. and They've heard that you came for them. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for them. Thank you for rising again. I pray that right now they would just call upon you in simple faith and say, Jesus, please come into my life. If that's you right now, just say that. Jesus, please Come into my life and be my Savior. I want to stop living my way and I want to trust in you and your way. Thank you, God. We love you, Lord. We pray over these next couple of weeks that you're going to do something that we're going to remember for years to come. In Jesus' name, amen.